we talked about the significant progress that Ontario has made in testing and the big difference that that is making. And we also talked about contact tracing and how essential contact tracing is today and also going forward. Yeah, contact tracing is something that has been done in Singapore, Taiwan, and South Korea by using apps. And last week, Apple and Google announced a plan to use smartphones, not only to uh, contact trace uh, who's been in contact with who so that they can track the virus, but also to detect how often people weren't maintaining safe social distances. Now, there are big questions surrounding privacy when it comes to a mobile phone app that will track you in order to prevent a second wave of COVID-19. Here to talk about it, David Buckridge is director of McGill University Surveillance Lab, which applies computer science technology to public health problems. Welcome to the show, David. Good morning. Good to have you on. So as I was saying, this has been used in Singapore and Taiwan and South Korea or similar apps have to limit outbreaks. Can you tell us how the technology will work? Yeah, sure. So the idea is, uh, as you kind of summarized in your, when you're uh, describing the, the technology, is that, you know, phones, of course, have the capacity through different technologies on the phone, like the GPS chip and Bluetooth and other strategies to, to know when they're close enough or in a certain distance to another phone for another person's phone. And so people have basically created these applications that if they're running on your phone and the other person has the same application running, you can log that interaction, essentially. And of course, imagine, you can imagine going through the course of your day, you may have a number of interactions like that that could be logged. And so down the road, if you then become symptomatic or become found to be infected through testing, you can kind of go back and, and the technology can trace through those interactions and, and identify who you were close enough to for long enough to potentially have transmitted the virus and can, can notify them so that they can then seek out testing or, or communicate with authorities. And so that's the, the kind of big picture. But there are a lot of technical and, of course, privacy questions about how that might actually play out and how effective it would be. All right. One of the benefits, I would imagine, is that this is going to allow faster than traditional methods of tracing the contacts because they're going to be stored inside your phone. That's exactly it. So if you think about you know, contact tracing, which, you know, of course, everybody's doing as, as best they can right now with, with, with lots of human effort, um, you know, the, the thing, thinking is, is that people will, will not always remember all those interactions. They may not even know, for, for example, they were close enough to somebody to be at risk. And so, uh, you know, when you do contact tracing, you, you talk to somebody and ask them who they've been in contact with. Sometimes they can't remember and, and sometimes they only remember certain types of contacts. And so the thinking is this can be more complete. And also contact tracing is it's kind of like doing any kind of investigation. You know, you've got to get somebody on the phone and talk to them, and that there can be delays. And so the other thinking is with this technology is in addition to being potentially more complete, it can also be faster sometimes to identify those interactions. Uh, but as I said, there are some, some technical challenges too to, that, you know, it's not immediately clear if, you know, uh, for example, how many people would actually download this app and have it running. And so if, if not everybody has it running, you know, then you've got holes in your contact network. And so, you know, how would you deal with that? And, and you know, how many people really have to be using it? And, and there's also challenges in some of these technologies and really knowing if the two phones or the two people were close enough uh, because of just, you know, challenges in how Bluetooth and GPS work and, and the limits of their accuracy, essentially. Well, the two companies that are proposing this right now are Apple and Google. So presumably, couldn't they download something in an update to your phone so that everybody would have the technology? Yeah, and so that's been a bit of a, 
I wouldn't say a game changer, but certainly has, has changed the nature of the conversation now that Google and Apple have come in and said, and of course, between the two of them, uh, they essentially control the operating systems for almost all smartphones. And so, you know, if they're willing to, you know, bake this in, in a sense, into their operating systems, that that probably means, as you point out, it's going to probably function better than if other people try to, you know, build applications on top of the operating system to do this. And it also means potentially better security and more control for individuals over what happens with that information, which I think goes a long way potentially to addressing privacy concerns. Yeah, that's the big question, right? And uh, officials from Google and Apple say that phones would only exchange uh, anonymized random numbers to identify individual devices, and they wouldn't share personal information or location details. Uh, Those ID numbers then would be stored on the phone themselves, and rather than you know, putting them in servers run by governments or tech firms. So basically, um, you know, they could go in, get your ID number and and identify other people you've come in contact with, like unwittingly. Uh, maybe it's a grocery store clerk if they have, you know, the, the technology on their phone. The big question mark, though, is how can we be sure that Apple and Google aren't going to access other information on our devices? It's, you know, I don't want to put on a tinfoil hat here, but I mean, there are a lot of people that have privacy concerns, especially with, you know, how willing we are to give up privacy uh, in, our, in our, our civil rights during this pandemic. You know, yeah, that's, that's the big question. It's, and it's a question of trust, really. You know, um, so how much do we trust Apple and Google to sort of do the right thing with that information and, and not go beyond the terms of use? Uh, you know, um, you know, when you think about, location tracking data more generally on our phones. You know, there's been a lot of apps that, you know, will, will always be tracking your location if you let them, even when you're not using them. And, you know, if you notice when you load an app, sometimes there's those choices, you know, allow location tracking only when using an app or all the time or never, you know. And so, you know, some people don't don't always think that one through. And so maybe they just let it always. And that means that your location is always being tracked and always being sent off to some third party through that app. And then they can generally resell that information. You know, and so there's been, you know, a lot of, you know, thinking about what does that mean? And, and you know, and so in this situation, it's, it's you know, again, it's, it's, so it's not entirely novel that, that this thinking about location tracking through a phone, it's, it's the application it's being put to, I think. And then the combination with our social networks is, is probably also what makes people, you know, a little less, uh, a little more concerned about, about the issues of trust. And, and, you know, do you want somebody to be able to recover not only your movement, but all the people you potentially interacted with? Right. And, you know, that means that other people that have me in their contact list, uh, now my privacy has been breached, even though I might not be aware of it. Right. But going back to the, as you said, it's, it's all in the way it's implemented. So, you know, the, the way it's proposed to be implemented is not that, you know, you will be notified about all the people you are in contact with. It's more the people that once you become symptomatic, it would sort of, if you will, propagate through that network and they would be informed somewhat anonymously that they have been in contact with somebody who has become infected and they would be urged to contact the public health authorities to facilitate that contact tracing effort. You know, so that's that's probably the, the, the scenario where the user has the most control over the situation and there's the greatest anonymity. Now, how well does that work with the way public health actually does contact tracing? That's a whole other question, you know, here because right. as, as you know, as we discussed, there's already well-developed systems in public health to do manual contact tracing. And I don't think anybody is suggesting that by using an app, it's going to be completely replace all that and be 100% perfect for all the reasons we discussed with, you know, the not everybody's going to download the app and there's challenges in terms of the technology. So, 
So the bigger question really is, you know, how, how could such a technology really work well with the current manual contact tracing? And would it, would it really help or would it just add more confusion and, and complication in terms of how we do contact tracing? So that's, I, that's an issue that's yeah. still a bit open, I think. I guess we have to look to Singapore, Taiwan, and South Korea to see how it worked with them. Although they were forced into it, is my understanding, that they had to download uh, the apps in, in some cases. That technology concern, I want to touch on that because you brought it up a couple of times. I'm imagining that that has to do with Bluetooth because I know the Bluetooth will affect your battery. And if you've got an app, you have to keep it running on Bluetooth. You have to turn your Bluetooth on in order to make it work. So if you've got this running the whole time, it's not only going to affect your battery and the functionality of your phone, but Bluetooth technology uh, can affect your security. You know, if you've got that running all the time, you're going to be more vulnerable to hackers. That's something to take into consideration. Absolutely. No, there's a, there's a lot of technical issues. And Bluetooth can also be, you know, blocked. It could, there, there's, there's issues about the distance at which it actually works and connects, you know. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of unknowns. Um, I, I think it is important, though, as you pointed out, that, you know, the role of the, the citizen or the user in terms of how they engage with this technology is also very important. I mean, it's one thing if, if, a, if a government forces people or, or, you know, strongly suggests that you download this and says you, your freedoms will be limited if you don't have this app. Versus, you know, where people are, are put in the position that it's almost like citizen science, if you will. You know, and there are a number of platforms where people are participating, not through their phones, but through websites to report symptoms. And that can be, can be very helpful. Or in the United States where they have, you know, digitally connected thermometers that, that upload anonymously the temperature. And that becomes quite valuable for, for, for understanding what's happening. And so, you know, if you sort of think about it more where the user's in control and we're, we're, we're confident in the security of the system, uh, then you, know, you couldn't imagine a number of people that may opt into using such an app just knowing that it's going to really benefit the ability of public health authorities to track what's going on in terms of spread and, and to get a, like a handle on it more quickly. But, you know, as we said, there's these issues of, you know, the hardware and the, the privacy and fitting it into mm-hmm. the system. So there there are some challenges, but uh, but it's I think it's an interesting technology. And it's not one I think, we, you know, I would suggest is, is, is a home run necessarily. And I don't think it's also, you know, a... I think it can be done in a way that respects people's privacy, um, but, uh, you know, these are interesting times, and so it's calling for somewhat interesting solutions, I think, and this is, this is something I think that has merit, but we, you know, we have to be a little careful about how we proceed. I'd like to wrap up, since I started off on the, with the idea of, of privacy concerns, I'd like to wrap up the interview on that. Um, the Office of the, Privy, the Privacy Commissioner of Canada last week uh, released some guidelines on how public officials could use big data to collect the pand- you know, pandemic information and preserve uh, privacy for uh, us citizens of Canada. The uh, recommendations include collecting data only for a limited period of time and destroying it after it's no longer needed. I think there's an added problem there when it comes to this equation. How do you police that? Especially when you're dealing with Apple and Google. Yeah, well, you know, that's, that's not just unique to this situation. You know, I mean, I think privacy and digital privacy has been a growing issue for, for decades now. Um, you know, and, and so policing is very hard. I mean, it really does often come down to, you know, you put in place the, the legal framework, uh, and then you have to have some measure of trust with, with corporations that they're going to do what's, what's right. I mean, you can have more sort of aggressive auditing strategies, but generally speaking, that's not the way things are done. It's more of a you know, you assume compliance until there's been some evidence that there's not compliance. But, uh, you know, as we discussed from throughout this discussion, from a user's perspective or a citizen's perspective, it really comes down to trust. And so, you know, if you don't have trust that, that, that those companies are going to do the right thing with these data and they've engineered a system that allows that to happen, 
people that are going to be there that are sent to download and use an application like this. David, it's a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Take care. Cheers.